Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. I'm Robert Lamb. I'm Julie Douglas. And as our uh, wonderful theme music uh, fades into the background there, uh, tell me, Julie, what? how does that music make you feel? What What comes to mind? I got it tell you like there's that that sort of thumping yeah that really kind of makes me feel a little booty busting yeah 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 kind of kind of makes my, my head nod a little uh, it has kind of like a kind of an idm intelligent dance music kind of sound to it to it it makes me sort of think of like a a dark alice in wonderland type forest and there's like all sorts of weird things going on in the darkness maybe like flashing little points of light and there's something uh there's something really amazing going on in the darkness, and uh, and you're just kind of wondering, oh my goodness, what's what's going on out there? Whoa! Like yeah. all I'm talking about is Cossacks shaking, and you <laughs> <laughs> you're in you've fallen down the rabbit hole. I like that. Oh, then another uh, Lewis Carroll reference there. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I I mean that's the great thing about music is it's it's you know, and, and this is kind of a an overstatement of the obvious here, but it it has a profound and varying effect on uh, on on the the listener. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, do you have any earworms or are there any instances that you feel like with music that really sort of grabs you by the shirt tails or? Oh, well, I mean, I, I, I listen to music pretty constantly at work. Like, I don't think I'd get any work done or, or be able to commute properly uh, if I didn't have, have music going. And I've also found that, um, uh, like when it comes to, to earworms, I will, I will definitely get some like annoying earworms here and there, but, uh, but most of the earworms I get are more like just the music and not the lyrics. Oh. Like even, I, I think a, an earworm that a lot of people, uh, may suffer from, uh, uh, is that, uh, that Lady Gaga song, the, um, what is it? The, I don't know. The I, rah rah. Yeah, song. I refuse to let it into my brain. I'm okay, sorry. Okay, well, you've, well you've, you're you're fortunate thus far. I mean, I I don't know. I kind of like a part of the song, but then the rest of it just kind of like just slams in your head and and won't let go, and then you're just trying to shake it out. Yeah, yeah. So that's the problem with earworms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, I've got um, a couple. Like one that's just a benevolent earworm right now is "Ole Tarantula" by Robin Hitchcock. So sometimes I'll wake up in the morning, I can hear the harmonica, and it's nice. And see, then, that's a, yeah, that's a good earworm. Most yeah. of my earworms, I feel, are are good. Okay, so yeah. you're lucky because I've got one that's I've had for like a decade and I can't shake. And it usually happens like at three o'clock in the morning. I can't go to sleep, and all of a sudden I can hear the piano going dun 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 dun. It's a hard knock life, <laughs> and I'm like, no. Uh, there's something about that song, and it's the lyrics. So it's interesting really that fun. for you, it's it's not necessarily the lyrics that are haunting you, but but that's what music is for me. It's both. Uh, both the destroyer and the creator. Yeah, it's um, I mean, it, it's also a huge uh, energizer. Like I, I think it's interesting how um, uh, you, you know, the, the scientists pointed out that like the um, the like slower music, your your sad music, your your, your you know more relaxing music tends to be a lot you know s- you know slower and you know, slower beat going on, and then and then the faster music you know has some sort of like really uh, you know raucous beat to it. That that's what gets you pumped up. Like uh, if you, I, I don't know if you've ever done this. If you've ever uh, uh, put on um, Eye of the Tiger. Uh, oh yeah, this to, morning. Oh, you did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To, you know, sometimes that's that's what you need to get out of the house, or you know, to to, to really throw yourself at a project. Yeah, yeah, I do that uh, right before I scale the steps. Oh yes, the yeah, eight hundred steps. Um, 
near my local park. Oh, excellent. Yes. Yeah. Well, cool. Then you're you're in the fighting spirit. Right. No, I get it. I get it. The adrenaline is pumping. Yeah. I also have this theory that nobody can listen to staying alive without altering the way they walk, you know? But that's a good thing. That's a, I I think it's a good thing. It's a great song. I think we should always walk like we're listening to that. Yeah. Think about how that would change the world. Like imagine if like, uh, if like, uh, like soldiers and people in uh, ROTC, like if they had to march to staying alive, like it would be an entirely different scene. That's right. There would be no wars. Yeah. Right. It would just be people styling and looking good. Yeah. See, that's an, that's a good example of how music can change your brain. Yeah. And when we say change the brain, I mean, it's, it, it's really, <laughs> it's really amazing what it can do. Yeah. And what it, what it does do on like to all of us, like every day. But like first, like what what do you think music is? Like what is it to you? Bare bones. Yeah. Well, I uh, I was thinking about it, and I, I kept coming up with uh, with kind of elaborate answers. But I actually have to just sort of refer to Webster's on this one because the Webster's okay. is a very it's not very creative, but it's you know the Webster's the the, the, the doubt, definition is pretty succinct, and it just says the quote the science or art of ordering tones or sounds in succession in combination and in temporal relationships to produce a composition having unity and continuity. So it's like it's a series of sounds that make some sort of sense that have like a almost a almost a kind of like a narrative flow to them, even though there are no, you know, characters in a song, unless you're going with some sort of Peter and the Wolf type of motif, you know? Yeah. OK, so you have to have rhythm, tone, meter. What mm-hmm. else? Um, sometimes instruments. Yeah. A melody. A melody. Right. A, so little, the, a little air horn dropped in here and there just for. Sure. Yeah. Like kazoo. Kazoo. Yeah. 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 No, I didn't just sneeze. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so I think that's the, the really cool thing about music is that it can really be anything. Yeah. And across it's, cultures too. Yeah. I mean, it's a deep part of our cognitive architecture too. As, as we uh, discussed uh, previously, we were talking about what alien, how aliens would uh, interpret human culture and what really stands out about who we are. Like music is a huge part of who we are. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it, cha- it, it has the power to change our mood, to heighten our, our emotions. Um, well, and the, the thing though that should be noted is that, um, we're not entirely sure how music affects our brains. We're just now, Getting some data from what the last ten years? Yeah, yeah, five to ten. It's 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 pretty much a, an em, continues to be an emerging uh, area of study. Yeah, I mean this is pretty explosive uh, area to to look into or explosive field right now. Uh, and you've got cognitive psychologist and linguist Steven Pinker, who uh, he's just he's sort of the um, oh I don't know I guess you would say that he's the the party pooper on this. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. he thinks that music is just auditory cheesecake and it's basically like an accident of evolution. Like, hey, guess what? You get to talk and sing. Yeah. I mean, he, 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 at least he's not a complete villain about it. And he's kind of like, like, I understand wanting to make more out of music than it is, but I don't, you know, that's, that's his, his whole argument. Right. And then you have other people on the other side of the coin. They're like, they're saying, we've got to make more out of this because of the findings. Yeah. So, um, so I think it's interesting to to dive into that and look at the findings and find out how our brains work on music and specifically like when we're we're listening to music what's what's happening inside of our brains. Right. Like just to put things in in perspective like a lot of times uh you know people wonder is music um is is it this thing unto itself or is it just like the flip side of language but um you know there are parts of the brain that respond to music that don't respond to language. 
And there are separate parts of the, of the brain that respond to the melody of language um, that are different from the parts of the, the brain that respond to music. So it's, it's not just, uh, it, you know, it's clearly doing unique things to our mind. Yeah, like if you look at a brain scan, you can see that it's lighting up like a pinball machine or, you know, as, as someone had said um, before in, in some of the literature I was reading, that it's it almost looks like a symphony. There are different yeah. parts of the symphony that are queuing up and working in concert. Yeah, and what they're looking at tends to be um, uh, blood flow, oxygen flow in the brain. Yeah. Those are the indicators uh, to show that there's something, that there's there's definite neural activity going on. And I think we've all seen these brain, you know, if you haven't seen it in a movie, you've seen it on, you know, at least channel flipping through, uh, your, uh, you know, your, your, uh, you know, different documentary channels. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, it's, it's pretty fascinating when you do see the brain lighting up like that. Cause you get to see where the music is entering the ear and then it's going into the frontal and temporal lobes and then into the language processing areas. And then the visual cortex lights mm-hmm. up. And that's, um, that's actually really interesting because that's your brain kind of trying to get a visual bead on the changes in pitch and tone. So it's looking at it in a visual way. It's perceiving that as movement. Okay. So kind of like when I see the dark forest with the lights in it. Exactly. Like that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. Okay. You're already sort of imagining yourself in movement, which is really interesting when, when you're thinking about music. And then you've got your medial front cortex. And that's where, uh, if you've heard that song before, you get all weepy or you get sad. Oh, okay. So this is, uh, like, for an example, if I listen to a particularly sad song, uh, during a, like, really depressing episode in my life. Right. And I, cr- and I tear up listening to it again or, or get kind of weird about it if I listen to it again. That's what's going on. Right, right. Okay. Or if you're, like, sitting there listening to Nick Drake and, you know, it's raining outside or something along those lines. You'd, um, but if you're listening to something that makes you happy, then your brain starts releasing dopamine. Okay. Yeah. So you've got the reward center occupied as well, which is pretty cool. And one of the things I think is most interesting is that sometimes uh, your neural firing synchronizes to the fundamental frequency of that sound that you're picking up. Wow. So you would be able to uh, to, to look at a, like a live scan of the brain. Yeah. And it would it would essentially be like the uh, the visualizer on Windows Media Player. Right. Right. It, it, yeah. You'd, you'd have these. Uh, Neural firings that are like oonst, 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 or something along <laughs> oh, those wow. lines. Maybe, maybe you wouldn't, but, but like an, an, an eccentric uh, millionaire could uh, could like hire a dude to like remain uh, hooked up to a brain scanner. Yeah, and could just set the and that could be his his visualizer, visualizer. But that's <laughs> that's okay. right. I like that. If uh, he was going to take it to that other level of entertainment, yeah, absolutely. Hmm, I see what you're going to be doing with your first million. <laughs> um. But all of this is pointing to the fact that, uh, like you said, there's a lot going on in the brain. There's parts of that are lighting up. You've got blood flow. You've got oxygen. And what we're beginning to see is that music is tripping all sorts of switches in our brain and possibly even making us smarter if we engage in certain ways with it. And I think you see that actually with musicians. Yeah, yeah. There have been some, some really cool studies um, into just you know how how musicians' brains appear to work uh, versus non-musician brains. They've done some, uh, uh, there have even been some studies where they take uh, they, they take a, a non-musician, give them like a year of like, uh, you know, musical lessons, singing lessons, what have you, and, and they can see the changes in the neural activity. Right. And this, they could be a terrible singer, right? But, right, yeah. But, but the fact that they're, they're exercising this part of the brain mm-hmm. means that 
what they've built up some some more muscle there, so to speak. Yeah, it's really made me rethink. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I I really don't know how musically inclined you are. Um, I in terms of instruments, because I took piano lessons, I took like a recorder lesson. I was in like band for like trumpet and French horn, played none of these things well at all. I was, I was, you know, pretty, uh, pr- pretty inept at times, especially with the uh, piano, I feel. But, uh, but I, I've had to rethink it because I'm, because I'm thinking like, even though I didn't excel at those things, it, it got my brain, uh, thinking in a musical way. And maybe that benefited me in the long run. Right. And in other ways that you might have not even known. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Um, no, well, I'm not really musically inclined. Uh, you know, in um, college, I took my grandfather's saxophone. It's like a 1939 saxophone. It's mm-hmm. awesome. And had it restored. And I took lessons. And I was terrible. <laughs> and I would try to bend the notes. And my music teacher would get really angry and just say, please just like learn the notes and <laughs> do it well. <laughs> and I thought, well, surely after six months, I can I can sound um, like Coltrane, right? <laughs> um, but that didn't work out. So I got discouraged. But yeah, like you, I'm, I'm rethinking it. I'm thinking, okay, if, if I, even if I'm terrible at it, um, maybe this can help me to have a thicker cortex like other musicians. Uh, and which just basically means that you've got a lot more activity going on in your frontal cortex and the areas of your brain that are responsible for language and planning. Mm-hmm. And this is another cool thing about musicians. They're better at picking out selective patterns in a room where there's, there might be a cacophony of sound. Huh. Yeah, so they kind of have better selective uh, hearing, if you will. So if you needed someone to, like, spy on somebody in a busy room, yes. hire the spy that has a musical background. See, that's why I was thinking I should continue <laughs> with saxophone lessons, because... <laughs> <laughs> you, you never know when you're going to have to switch over full-time to that spying career. Uh, right, right. Yeah. It's just a good thing to have in your back pocket. Yeah, nobody wants to hear, I'm sorry, but I'm going to go with the bassoon player. No, yeah. no, it's true. But... um. Well, the other thing that all of this is pointing to is, of course, music and children. Right. Right. And the fact that children who study and learn music aren't just increasing their motor skills, but they're scoring higher on language tests and they show an overall improved processing and linguistic centers of the brain. So you have to be engaging in the music, of course. You can't just be a passive listener. Right. But that also makes me think of the Mozart effect. Oh, okay. This is where you play Mozart for a, an unborn child. Well, this is what, yeah, this was the result of a study. That's, that's actually, that's the interpretation, um, from the results. But the result is that, uh, basically, uh, college students who went, underwent the study, that when they listen to Mozart, that, uh, for some temporal spatial testing, that they actually increased their scores. Huh. But it was temporary. And they were bored. And they were bored and they were, they were constructing things out of paper. Um, so that was essentially the test, but people took that and they ran with it. And like Governor Zell Miller of Georgia had mandated that every child born would get a Mozart <laughs> CD. And so the, you know, it wasn't quite that. It, and I think that's the interesting to point out that it's not just listening to music. It's engaging in it that really helps benefit the brain and builds it up quite a bit more. Right. Thinking musically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I th- the most extreme case of this is probably in some ailments that occur in the brain, um, stroke victims, Parkinson's uh, disease, along those lines. 
Right, they're they're able to actually use the music to repair damage, to to, to rebuild the brain in a, in a certain sense. Yeah, in a way. I mean, Parkinson's. Um, you know, of course, your your motor system is going to be tripped up. Right. Uh, with that, and so music kind of helps the auditory system and the motor system uh, be in concert with each other. So. If you've got a Parkinson patient and you put on a rhythm track, that actually helps that person to better coordinate their movements. So again, think about the neurons, you know, firing to a certain beat. Or like playing uh, Staying Alive and everybody ends up kind of strutting <laughs> instead of just walking. Okay. Right, right. Yeah. So during physical therapy, you know, you just have to imagine that you're, uh, you're in the movie, huh. walking down the street, you're staying alive. This presentation is brought to you by Intel, sponsors of tomorrow. I have to admit, like when I, whenever I go to like a uh, like a like a concert or like a big like DJ event, and uh, and then the crowd is really into it, I can't help but think of uh, like old Viking movies where there's like the guy on the back of the Viking ship, the Viking longboat, like beating on the drum, and everyone's moving in tandem with the drummer. I, uh, because that's how it feels. It's like one guy, you know, be it, or, you know, one band or the DJ or whoever. It's like they're controlling everyone and everyone is just synchronized with this beat, you know? Yeah. And actually, um, people who, who talk about the auditory cheesecake, mm-hmm. they actually point to that experience that you're talking about and say that, uh, music is actually a way to bring people together. It does have an evolutionary purpose in that, if you can get everybody's neurons synchronized in a group, mm-hmm. then you can form some sort of basis of cooperation okay. for a community. Well, that's the instantly, and part of this is because I'm reading, rereading uh, Name of the Rose. I can't help but think of a monastic community and the importance of music. Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. Or, and, and I imagine any like you know, church groups, uh, et cetera, uh, or even... Even the military, I guess, come to think of it, like with the the sort of things that those little songs they chant while they're marching. My mama said, da, 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 da. yeah, Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that one, that, yeah. that classic ballad. Um, yeah, it's it's like a community building thing. They're all sort of syncing up and becoming one body under the music. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there, are, like I said, there are people who point to that and say there is a purpose. There is a reason why all of us have this, what they think, innate ability to understand music um, and to incorporate it in our lives. And if you look at the importance of music, especially with memory, we were mm-hmm. talking about a little bit earlier with the um, medial front cortex, that that's where all your memories are stored. They're finding that Alzheimer's patients and dementia patients are responding really well to musical therapy because when they hear pieces of music, it actually helps them to sort of unlock the box, you know, crack it open, access their memories again, and actually helping them to increase their short-term and long-term memory, which is really cool. Oh, yes. Yeah. And then you've got stroke victims uh, who... They may be able to understand what you're saying, but they can't. They, the use of language is gone. They can't express themselves. And they've been singing, uh, in some studies, uh, what they're trying to say, phrases. And in some cases, they can sing 200, 300 phrases. Um, they may, uh, on a sort of road to recovery and being able to eventually speak again. 
Huh. Yeah. So music is now, definitely. Are they, are they singing what they want to say, or are they singing things? Yeah. From okay. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, there's a, a documentary called The Music Intuition. Okay. And they show a woman who is going through therapy, and uh, the woman that's working with her says, "Okay, now suppose that your two-year-old daughter is about to run down the street." What do you say? And she sings, wait for me. But oh, wow. she could never say, wait for me, you know? So she's regaining that ability through music. It's interesting because we were actually talking the other day about how it might be a little difficult if we were to do a musical episode of the podcast. But for someone who's having to reclaim their speech, like music is the, the inroad to speaking again. It's, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. And so that's, that's again where the mystery is sort of coming in because you know, again, this is a fairly new field of study. Ten years ago, people didn't necessarily know that music could access your brain in these ways. And I'm also thinking about uh, another therapy session. This was done by neuroscientist David Soto. He had 60 stroke victims who sustained damage to parietal cortex, uh-huh. which is related to visual and spatial processing. And it was very unusual in that the victims lost half of their spatial awareness and some of them would eat food on only one side of their mouth or they would shave only one side of their face. Wow. Yeah. So their perceptions way off. So what happened is when Soto played music that made them happy, they, during their therapy, they were actually able to increase their abilities and, and uh, be able to perceive more. And the, Interesting thing about this is that uh, they played a couple of different pieces of music, but the ones that were most popular were Frank Sinatra <laughs> and Kenny Rogers. Oh. And guess of the two, of the two, who had the better results with the victims? Um, I'm thinking Frank probably took more of a firm hand with him. Okay. I would think so, too. Fly Me to the Moon, very uplifting. Yeah. Kenny Rogers. Oh, please yeah. tell me it was early Kenny Rogers, at least. I don't know. The fifth edition? Was it the fifth edition? Okay. You know, it, That's in the land of Lady Gaga for me. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, just stepped in to see what condition my condition was in. Oh, oh yes. Okay, yeah. I do know that one. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's like his best track. That, I bet that probably is the one that... I, w- I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. Well, we hope, yeah. Um, but that, yeah, they they thought about actually renaming it the Kenny Rogers Effect. No <laughs> joke. I'm not kidding. But um, that kind of points to the fact that when you are happy, when you're listening to music, you've got the release of dopamines and that when you have the release of dopamines that you've actually got more neural resources. So that's what they're seeing there with the stroke victims hmm. is that it was actually allowing them to perform a skill set that they didn't necessarily have before. That's interesting. There have uh, there've also been some, uh, uh, some studies into uh, how music can be used uh, for uh, people uh, suffering from chronic heart disease. Okay. And, uh, the, uh, the results are not, uh, set in stone on this one. Um, but they've, uh, but scientists have found that, uh, that like in a study that had like, uh, you know, about, uh, 1400, uh, participants, they found that, uh, it had a moderate effect on anxiety, uh, in patients with, uh, CHD, chronic heart disease. Um, but the results were, uh, kind of inconsistent across the studies, but that, uh, but that listening to music reduces heart rate, respiratory rate, and blood pressure. In other words, you know, a calming effect on the body, okay. which can have, uh, you know, can be very medicinal uh, in, given certain conditions, such as chronic heart disease. Um, and then uh, I've also uh, also saw a few studies talking about its use uh, in treating depression or uh, or anxiety. And uh, 
again, it, a part of it comes down to, uh, you know, like if, if anybody who's ever like meditated to music or, or used relax, used music as a relaxation tool, you know, obviously knows the relaxing effects of music. But, um, uh, but, 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 you know, that very effect has a, can have a clinical use as well. They've also found that, uh, in some therapies, it's kind of like music is, uh, you know, music is, is a universal language to sort of use a, uh, you know, kind of a cliche term there. But, but if you have a, a person who's not very receptive to therapy, um, uh, and, and, and maybe not that receptive to just one on one, you know, verbal communication, um, music can kind of break down doors. It's it's something they can instantly get, and it's less threatening to them. So huh. that's one of the benefits they've, uh, that uh, experts have found with uh, music therapy. You know, on the opposite side of the coin, I just have to mention that I ran across this study of mice and meth. Oh, yes. That, I wish that were the title of it, but that's actually it wasn't, um, of mice and meth, that they took these mice and they, uh, they put them on meth, and then they gave some of them a quiet space, and some of them they just blasted really loud music. And they wanted to see if the toxicity levels would rise with the really loud music. It's a very particular study. <laughs> well, what they were trying to do is say um, that if you're on meth and, and you're at a nightclub, that it can actually be um, much more dangerous to you. This is the you know what they posit because it enhances the toxic effects of meth, the huh. loud music. And I thought, wow, that's that's so disturbing. And Poor mice. I've got to say that we need to start cataloging all of the, the little indignities that they have to suffer in the name of science. Yeah. Also, we can figure out our drug habits, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Culture. Yeah. So, that, you know, like I said, on the flip side there, I mean, yes, like you said, it can be um, can be very healing. But, I mean, music is powerful in the sense that it could illuminate um, other other uh, areas of your brain. I shouldn't say illuminate. I should say, and enhance those parts of your brain if you happen to be on meth huh. and you are a mouse. Okay. <laughs> so you're nice out there. <laughs> Quick Take little note. diversion there. <laughs> so I think what all of this is pointing to is that we have uh, something called neuroplasticity. Okay. And this just means that the brain is not set in stone. That it's uh, that our, our our neural architecture can change, right? Yeah, I mean, this is like the really incredible message of all of this is that if if you can help uh, someone who has Parkinson's, you know, get back on the road to therapy with music because it's stimulating parts of their brain that they didn't know it could stimulate before. What can it do to our own brains? You know, what can we going forward learn from this? Yeah, and just also the message too that like when you're listening to music, it's like we tend to sort of think like oh, music's something I, I listen to it in the background, you know, or yeah, or, you know, it's it's playing in the car, or you know, I, I turn it on to just chill out or rock out in the afternoon or what, you know, whatever, however you view it. But but something really deeper is going on, you know. You're it's kind of like yeah, it's you're 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 sort of recharging your your mind, rewriting your mind even. Uh, depending on what you're listening to and how you listen to it. Right. Your emotions are being provoked and you may not even know it. Yeah. It's just, I mean, you might be in the elevator listening to elevator music. So, <laughs> you know, music, music is manipulation too, in that sense. And we're in a day and age where we're surrounded by it. And, you know, I actually, you know, thankfully for me, I feel like we're in a day and age where we have access to so much music. At the oh, same God. time, yeah. it is, it's ubiquitous. Yeah, it it is everywhere, and it's just there's so much great music out there, and like 
one of the I think the good things about the internet is that yeah, it's like you can explore so much. Uh, whereas like when I was in high school, I had like the worst musical taste because I had so little to to pull from, you know. Right. Yeah. And this is interesting too. Uh, th- I found this out that perfect pitch in okay. Western cultures, fourteen uh, percent of the population is represented, which is minuscule, right? People who have perfect pitch, but in Asian cultures, that it's actually seventy percent. Wow. Yeah. And there's one theorist who comes at it by saying that those languages are microtonal. And, um, in fact, if, think about it this way. Have you ever heard Chinese opera? Yes. Okay. Probably the first time you heard it, did it seem sort of jarring and maybe even off key? Um, I would say, and no offense to people who love it, but every time I've heard it, it sounds jarring <laughs> and off key. Okay. So, and I think that's because we're all, you know, uh, creating these, these neural pathways, right? Uh-huh. And neural systems of understanding of music. And so what you're exposed to as a Westerner is probably what your preference is going to be. And so if you, as an Asian, have a microtonal language, then what that's basically doing for you is giving you a more nuanced understanding of pitch, tone, melody, rhythm. Huh. And so the the idea is that that puts you in a lot better position to be able to have perfect pitch and detect it, which is another... Very cool crossroads, I think, of language and music and, and, and something that we have to reconsider how music works with language um, in its own right. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So that was sort of exciting to me. Yeah. No, I, I will. I do have to stress. I do like a lot of Asian music, just not uh, not Chinese, like court orchestra type stuff. Well, sure. Yeah. yeah. But I, I get it. <laughs> And it, yeah, it's, I'm not, just saying, it's not first on my playlist. Yeah, it, it's it's all a little jarring. So if you want to know more about these uh, topics, uh, go to the HowStuffWorks.com website and check out Is There a Link Between Music and Happiness by Molly Edmonds. And if you happen to uh, uh, you know hit the video store, if you're turning into PBS or you, you just use Netflix, uh, especially Netflix streaming, uh, you can watch the uh, documentary The Music Instinct, Science and Song. It is a fascinating, uh, what, two hours? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it just... It really hits, uh, it's like some of the stuff we've talked about, but then a whole, a whole, uh, other area too. Yeah. Bobby so. McFerrin is, yeah. uh, I guess you would say, uh, sort of the host of it. Yeah. Yeah. He's just at least a co-host in it. And yeah. They, they get pretty heavy into the, uh, the neurological, uh, implications of, of music and, and what it, what it says, what it might say in the future. Uh, really, really good, uh, really good show. Check it out. Yep. And music in space. Music space. and space. space. Yes. Yeah. So if you've got an earworm that you would like to let us know about, we want to hear about it. Yeah. And I'm interested to know if anybody else out there has the situation where most of their earworms are, are non-lyrical. Yeah. Because I haven't really, I don't know if I've met anybody else that has that. Not that I'm patting myself on the back, back for being strange or anything, but I, I just, I feel like other just people have that. Just patted himself on the back. <laughs> but I, some other people have to have that too, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let us know. You can uh, email us at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. And you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter, where you can also find us as Blow the Mind. Thanks for listening. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes.